Hello, and welcome to episode 62 of Man vs. Business. My name is Les Janes, and I'm here with my co-host, Sean McMenamin. This week, Sean and I are discussing the topic of quality control and quality assurance, creating them and moving from one to another. So with that, let's go ahead and start the show. How do you and what do you do to move from quality control, QC, to quality assurance, QA? And then, right. and then as the extra part that yep. you put in there, yep. how do you error-proof? That's the ultimate goal. How do you error-proof it? Yeah. Right, because I think that, I think that uh, one of the key things that I want to point out on this one um, is this takes, this is one of the processes that truly takes heavy vigilance uh, to, to get in place. And most companies stop after just putting some sort of quality control in place. And so I think that if, if you stop All right, there, well, and, and the way we should, uh, the I, way I, I like you. to look at it is <laughs> good job putting in a quality control program. So good job. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Right. You well, go. Okay. the thing is, okay, now <laughs> where is your process up. improvement? Your process improvement is going from your quality control program to a quality assurance program, you know, to pokey oaking. All right. Even though. So why don't we why don't we first talk about what we mean by quality control? Since we're saying that that's the the first thing that you have in place, uh, or that you're trying to get in place, and you're wanting to identify what it means to be uh, complete with some sort of quality control system. What, what are kind of the key points to having quality control or the key key areas to having quality control? Why? All right, well, first thing we I would say that has to be control? done is a, a clear set of instructions as to what the process needs to accomplish. Okay, so so making sure that, that the inputs okay. are understood, whatever the few steps and we've talked about process flow mapping maps and things like that before. We don't have to get back into it. But, okay, so what are the inputs? What happens? And what is the expected output? And then... Because when you're talking about quality control, you're actually talking about performing some right. sort of inspection that's, that's at the into. end then, of the process. You know, and it's somebody else, typically it's somebody else yeah. checking that quality control or being that quality control check, typically, the side. That's correct. Yeah, usually you've got somebody out on the shop floor or out in the environment that's actually checking the output at either stages. Or right, and it can be a, a paper process too. And I know in organizations, um, the purchasing process is the per- you know after everybody signs off on a purchase order, is the purchase order right with the right accounting code and everything like that before it goes to the supplier? So that's that's a check then by people prior to it taking the next step, whatever. And so that's, so would you consider that a quality control check? Yeah, because again, the definition is is that you're checking it after the fact. Yeah, the purchase order is written. The person that wrote the purchase order, in my opinion, well, not in my opinion, but the way the process should work is the the purchase, the person writing the purchase order has all the information they should be able to send it out to the supplier. And, and right now, it's in my organization, it goes to three more people to check. Okay. So I, so a little, so I, there's a little, so, there's a little uh, personal hurdle that I'm, I'm 
moving past right now. Well, and, and yours is different from mine wow. in the fact that uh, we don't have a check. Yeah. And, and it depends on your, your yeah. organization, what you have to so, do um, and how you get. To, so so how you got where you are at now depends upon your organization. In, in, in my organization, um, there's a lot of uh, individual buyers that need to buy for their own projects or for the warehouse. Mm-hmm. And and as we've talked in previous meetings, process formatting and things like that, I've got it all ma- marked out as to the current state, moving from the current state to the next uh, level of process improvement takes now a lot of combined thought and effort. So so the reason that we are where we're at is account codes were put in wrong by the people that were writing the POs or the, the project engineer or the project manager. So many different people had different ideas of where of where the accounts should go. So that now the accounting people check it out. And the accounting people actually check it out twice. <laughs> so, yeah. So So the thing is... There's a lot of waste. There's a lot of so waste. So there's some waste there. All right. And the way I titled yeah. this is how do you get from QC to a QA process? And we won't get there, but I just wanted to remind everybody well, that well, we're not we just going to sit here and gripe me... about how things are are just quality control state. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, I think my next question kind of uh, helps with that a little bit in the fact of, is there anything wrong with an organization sitting at a quality control state? A minute ago, you said, uh, you know, thumbs up. You know, you, you got something in place. Is there anything wrong with well, a, for the most a part, it thumbs up sitting at that point? Against not having anything, because if you don't have anything, then one, you don't know if you're putting out poor product to the next stage of the process. So, so you don't know until maybe the very end and it gets to your customer. And then, it, and then it becomes more expensive to fix the farther down the line it gets, right? So, so is there anything wrong with it? If, sure. if, the process, if the process works so that you have zero complaints and zero warranty from the customer, then you're obviously doing it right. Write it down and acknowledge it and, and measure it because if something changes, whether it's a new person or a new supplier to that process, if something changes, then you want to understand what the effect of that change is. Well, let's make sure everybody understands that when you say uh, moving on to the customer, that can be an internal customer. Yeah, Yeah, whatever the next step in the process is. And so that could be, let's say, in using our example of of purchasing, that could be manufacturing. And if manufacturing all of a sudden is receiving parts that are not right, um, then you've got time wasted and potentially money wasted because you would have a restocking fee, even if, if you have a program that would notice it when it's received, and then can send it back, there might be restocking fees for buying the wrong products. Same thing with accounting. Accounting, the month goes by very fast, and I will I will back up accounting on this and many other topics, even though we all understand that accounting doesn't run the company, but the information that they have to process is vast and is very important, and, and 30 days happens very quickly, and if they're trying to reconcile wrong accounts and, and wrong um, values in these accounts at the end of every month, boy, it makes their job a lot harder. Yeah. So utilizing your example of purchasing, so if they, if they take and purchase some material, it gets out onto the shop floor, shop floor is saying, 
this is incorrect, it's not what we needed, uh, yada, yada, yada. They point their finger back to purchasing. Okay, They've had some sort of, of validation. It could have been incoming receiving inspection, which is you know, a, 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 a quality control point. Uh, at that point, they could have figured out that something is wrong, so they point their finger back at purchasing. Purchasing then takes that information and says, oh, well, wait a minute. That wasn't really us. It's engineering's fault. They gave us the wrong part numbers or the drawing was incorrect or the way we deciphered it was incorrect. So they point their fingers back to engineering. Engineering then says, well, wait a minute. The spec told me that I should have it this way, and that's what I designed in. If that's not correct, I don't know what's going on. So did so did the sales guy not quite understand what was going on, and how did the purchasing guy or the receiving guy even know that what he just caught was incorrect? Or the production guy out on the shop floor, how did he know what was wrong? Did he know because of experience? Did he know because he knew something about the customer or the order? You know, whatever. My point there is is that you've got this constant, we check something, it goes backwards. They look at it and they go, oh, well, it's back this direction. Or they look at it, oh, it's someone back here. And so it just daisy chains right on back. So I think that the, the point I'm trying to get to is the fact that you're catching something after the fact and now it's you're wasting time going right, right. back upstream like a salmon. You're fighting, fighting right back upstream to figure out what the problem is. And, and, and so while I think having a quality control process in place is a good start, that's why I said at the beginning of this, <laughs> you know, whoop well, do good the thing is, <laughs> you, I mean, you are right. You're right in the essence that if you got, you got nothing, right, it's better right. than nothing. But that's as far as I'll go. Yeah, if you've got, if you now have something because you had nothing, then you're you're right. That's a little well, better. Let's, but let's look okay. how wasteful Don't this is, though. There. Because if in your scenario, you you finally check at the end when it gets uh, to the shop floor, okay, you can still have a quality control process where mm-hmm. where you have checks upstream that somebody else checks after engineering designs it, after engineering pr- generates a bill of material. Yeah. Somebody can check that bill of material against the drawing, right? Purchasing can check about against you know maybe other jobs or you know mm-hmm. you you could put something in in place where you could have somebody outside of that department check the work of whatever that step is in the process. Look at how look at how labor intensive that is. But okay. you won't have delay if if you do catch all those issues. You will have some delay in the upfront process. But then when the part comes in and manufacturing has the right part, has the right drawings, has the right schedule. They should be able to build it, and if they can't, then it's a performance issue, you know, in manufacturing. So, yeah. So, so here's what I call okay, that. Okay, fine. And and believe me, I'm not advocating a QC because that's why I wanted to go QC to QA. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know excited. you're not. I'm kind of playing a little bit of devil's advocate here with you, but and, and, yeah, because. <laughs> Um, in, in, in that, I, I know where where Sean's actually going with this, so I'm actually playing a little bit of devil's advocate. But but the the fact is is that um, a lot of companies will continue to build up their quality control methodology and thinking, and have a very hard time making the leap to the next thing of which is what we're going to talk about here in a minute, uh, which is quality assurance. They kind of get stuck in that whole mindset of. 
well, let's put something in place here to stop that. Let's put something in place here to stop that. Instead of looking at the whole value stream yes. and figuring out where is it starting. My heart was racing about 150 feet per minute that. trying to get to that point you know? there. <laughs> I, I hear you. So I think I think we're but I think we're into, ready to kind of go down what that we path. So kind of so harp on, that, and not all. Hopefully, we don't sound like broken records because that, the thought of quality assurance takes into account somebody thinking across the whole product line, across the, the, the process flow, and and can help each individual section of that process create the quality in the product instead of you see seeing seeing what kind of quality from the outside is on the product. And I think you make a valid point there. You have to have a value stream owner so that somebody is kind of driving the wheel as to uh, guiding the direction of where you need to go because if individual people are trying to make those decisions, they're just going to keep building things into the environment that they control to continue to create quality control checks. They're not going to be working towards removing those things and coming up with a way to put quality assurance in place. So I think that maybe that's the next thing we should do is define what do we mean by quality assurance. So quality control was really the fact that you were, you were, you were um, inspecting the process after the fact is quality assurance mean that you're ensuring well, the process? Well, I don't know if it's before. before that would be pretty fact. good if you can, can state that? have a premonition about how good things are going to be. <laughs> so the way I think of quality assurance, yeah. and if we stick with paperwork flow, just in case there's folks out there that, that don't deal with metal, mm-hmm. steel, and welding, and nuts and bolts and things like that. So if we talk about a paperwork flow, so it's easy for me to think about purchasing. If you have on the software system that you are entering entering a purchase order on the information if there's if there's a setup in that in that document in that um, purchase order preparation that only allows certain certain items to be selected then that's building quality assurance into the product now it doesn't it doesn't poke yoke it doesn't error proof it but it it narrows down the choices of what can be selected for any combination. So, so assume you know you have a customer, you have an engineer, you have a, a product that you're buying. Well, the product that you're buying can only can only choose from certain suppliers. You know, so there's a drop down of suppliers. You can't buy you know, a, a nut or a bolt from a sheet metal fabricator. You know, just because you've set that up ahead of time. I'm trying to think of a good example of how you would how you would only have a a matrix of selections based on certain criteria that the purchasing person will fill out on the sheet. So I think that from a quality assurance standpoint, you're trying to make sure that what you're doing in the process flow is assured that it's correct. You know, so you're trying to make sure that errors don't move down the value stream. And that's where quality control is a little bit late in the fact in that it's usually on what I would consider the back office. And it's usually being caught and done at the at the back office point. In a lot of cases, what we're talking about here is information, the front office side. From a quality assurance standpoint, you're trying to make sure that information flows 
as correct as possible so that it, when it does get out on the floor, you've removed most of the circumstances that cause quality issues. So I would say some examples that I can think of is whatever you can do in the estimation stage uh, to define your service or your product, whatever you can do in the engineering stage to automate or define or, or set up exactly what you're doing, uh, anything that you can do in those areas that will help to remove something that happens on the shop floor from arising right. is really and, and you know you can figure out those mind. points and those um, hurdles based on the pain points that you've had in the past. You know, so so if you're living without sure. either QC or QA system, you know you can understand and and. Um, Go to Gimba, go out to the shop floor and find out what, what are the issues that, that, that the folks are seeing and then backtrack that through the system on how to institute the assurance of quality as far upstream as possible. Um, well, and when you're in a small organization like you know we personally are, um, we don't even have a quality assurance person or a quality control person. Um, you know, so we had to definitely come up with creative ways of making sure that we manage uh, quality as it flows through the complete value stream. Um, because at the end of the day, and, I, and boy, I hate saying this because I am a, you know, some of some of my background is you know the quality arena. But at the end of the day, the quality assurance, quality control role is not a value add role. Oh, right. Yeah, it's, it's not agree? a value-add role. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't, um, um, you know, I'm not trying to make it to where, you know, people's jobs are, in, <laughs> you know, in jeopardy here. But, uh, you know, that role is something that an organization should always think uh, very clearly on and very specifically on because you don't want to overburden that position. You don't want to staff that position right. you up don't want to put the just because you're having all kinds of problems. Yeah, exactly. So I think that, um, you know, when you, when you get to the quality assurance piece of this whole discussion, quality assurance and error proofing are really almost one and the same. Um, in that as you're trying to develop methodologies for verification and effectiveness and all those kind of things, um, in some instances you are coming up with error-proofing potentials. You know, so your example of, of being able to put in a number that would, you know, remove some of the error of putting in the wrong number or putting in different styles of number is somewhat of an error-proofing uh, scenario, true. Although true error proofing, in the words of Lean, is the fact that when you're assembling something, you can only do it one way. Well, extrapolate that into the information world. You want to be able to also uh, mitigate and reduce uh, the number mm -hmm. of errors from an information side too. It's not physical. It's a little bit harder, uh, but information is no different. You want to try to error proof that information as much as possible. So, um, you know, I think that uh, 
I think the quality assurance in the air. They are. They are. And one of the things that you still have to do, regardless of having a QC system or a QA system, is is to measure and understand how well you're doing. And based on based on the points that you do measure and the outcomes of of what is being measured, measured, then you can adjust adjust the system and fine tune it to get the result that you want, right? You, 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 should, you should lay out the result that you right. want, you know, maybe 100% or Six Sigma is, is uh, you know, 99.99994% accuracy, something like that. I don't know how many nines you have to the decimal point. I do know, but I don't know how many I said. Um, yeah. It's a lot. Yeah, so, so you need it's to understand what the outcome needs to be Needless to say, at at the most optimum utilization of your your staff, that's a kind of a roundabout way of saying uh, a cost effective way of implementing quality assurance without overlaying too much cost of quality control. Uh, having that, then be able to. Uh, be improved based on whatever the outcome is of the measurements you're taking. Right. Right. You know, so at, at the beginning of this, um, I mentioned the fact that doing this process, moving from one to the other, takes a lot of vigilance because this is one of those areas where leadership has the tendency to kind of fall by the wayside once they've got something in place or once they've got something going and they don't see totally the value of kind of sticking with it and figuring out how to make the next step from a continuous improvement standpoint. So think of it as a roadmap and think of, you know, the quality Mm -hmm. control being your base. You know, it's a good starting point, you know, you know, I give you, I give you a two or a one or a two out of a scale of 10 you know, with, with having a quality control uh, portion in place. You get to quality assurance, you're starting to reach into five and six. You know, if you can start error-proofing a lot of this, you're getting to where you're best in practice, you know, uh, 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 world-class yeah. or, you know, best practices. Yeah, best in class. You're starting to get up in that arena uh, once you start. So think of this as a, as a journey, not as something that you're going to be able to do overnight also, this is not going to click in people's minds right off the bats. They're going to uh, fight the change from for some exactly. degree, uh, especially depending on the role they play. So you've got to, fi- yeah, you've got to figure out, you know, uh, how to help guide them, you know, towards the direction that makes sense for the company and why it's so good to do. And of course, if somebody feels like they're going to lose their job. You really got to work through that because your goal with lean, remember one of the one of the uh, lean guiding principles is we're not out to eliminate jobs. Lean does not mean we're leaning out people. Now, there may be, you know, depending on what you're ultimately doing, you, there are some people that might have to change roles, change responsibilities. But your no, goal is not to no, right. fire people because you're trying to make the company lean. You're trying to make it to where you can push more work so, through and the you system can grow, so that the company can yeah, make money. Grow in a controlled That's method. The thing so grow and understand and what you can handle as you grow. Yeah. So the ultimate goal would be to hire more people um, right. because you are you are putting throughput at a higher rate through the process. Um, 
That's right. Oh, let's see what was. Oh, yeah. Back to the people part. Just like you said it, and and we keep touching on this. I think yes. there's a couple of themes that go through our our presentations here. It is uh, planning, and it's it's the people. We talk about process all the time, but you do have to make sure that people and their brain understands why they're there, and and how valued they are. So so how you you know you can't just tell them, hey, you're not going to lose your job. Yes. Just do it this way. You have to you have to help them along. So that so that yeah. they buy in and are engaged in the process, and knowing that they they should be helping the process, so that you know what, if they can do their job either faster or maybe only spend half the time, well then you know they can they can potentially move up in the company because they can spend the other half of the time doing something else at a higher level. So you know you don't want to promise some things that aren't going to happen, but right. at least the opportunity is there. We talk a lot about succession planning and things like that where you need to have people that understand that they want people to be able to take the job that they're in so that they can move up and that should that should always be the the message that's right. to people um improving the process that they that they are in that, that, that that's their normal day-to-day job hey one other thing and i don't want to jump uh too far without mentioning it there's there's internal qcqa and then there's external qcqa so there's many people yeah. Internal. So, yeah, so yeah. a lot of our focus here has been on the internal process here. And if so, you're yeah, a company that utilizes suppliers, and whether it's for a product or a service, you know, the same thing The same thing uh, goes. Um, an, an ITP, inspection and test plan for your supplier, it can be 85 pages long with a whole bunch of hole points. That means that you don't trust where they are unless you check it or you hire somebody to check each individual point or... You know, cutting to the chase, getting to a quality assurance program is that you have audited your supplier. You understand how their quality um, is instilled into the product. And, you know, you, you, you poke yoke in enough that you don't even have to visit the supplier before they ship it, whether they ship it to you or direct to your customer. Um, that's quality assurance. So to do that, right, and to do that, uh, you need to start to build a relationship with your suppliers and, and get them to understand that they're yeah, part of the your supply chain. business. I don't, I don't see too many people yeah. using that term. That was, you know, an MBA speak term back when I went to school many, many years ago, but it, it still holds true. You want to shorten the supply chain. You want to make sure that your suppliers know what you need. Be clear with them. You don't always just beat them down for cost. If you have to beat them down for cost, mm-hmm. then, you know, that relationship is strained to begin with. So, same thing, and I mean, you should be getting the best exactly value, right. and, and and the value encom- encompasses quality. Sure. So, so sp- investing that time on your end, uh-huh. so that they so that they invest the time. Yeah, delivery, delivery, and, and of course, cost. You can't be the most expensive. You can't be the most expensive if you're going to survive. Yes. Um, because. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but it's three knobs exactly. that you're dealing with there, and you can't forget about those knobs. <laughs> yeah, you exactly. Just only focus on one big knob cost. <laughs> big knob. <Yeah. laughs> Yeah. So, um, so why don't we go ahead and wrap up right here? I think our goal was that we just really wanted to kind of touch on that roadmap for moving yourself from maybe not having anything in place to having a quality control in place, not sitting there very long and moving into quality assurance and start truly thinking about, um, uh, uh, error proofing the process. But I think in Sean and I's experience, you're leaping from nothing to a error-proofing scenario, 
you're not going to have quite the culture in place to be able to do that. So you do have to kind of run through uh, this model in, in, in that order. You, it's very difficult for a company to leap from nothing to just error-proofing their whole system because they don't have a vision of where they're trying to go, and they don't understand the pieces and the parts that yeah, make it up you, to make you know, those and kind that's, of decisions. Yeah, well, I'll just say so. this now because that's um, a difficult thing for a leader a leader that's in the position of, of understanding that you need to go to an error-proofing program, you know what the answer is already. You've got to, you've got to help, you've got to help the students, right. the other people in your organization get to the same level that you are with, with what the outcome could do for the company. So that's where, that's where being the teacher, being the leader and the mentor, right. boy, that, that's where a lot of hard work, like you said in the beginning last, that's where all of the hard work comes in. Because people, other people might not see it, and you already know the answer, but you got to teach them how to do it. Mm-hmm. Yep, stick to it. Yep, stick to it. Well, with that, why don't we go ahead and uh, wrap up this uh, today's uh, session, and uh, we will uh, talk to yeah. everybody next week. See you later, Sean. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Man versus Business. Please note that neither Sean nor myself are business consultants. We just have a strong passion for discussing all things business. Please remember to visit sigmatree.co to see our other podcasts, our business ventures, and our blog. And by the way, you can also drop us a line from the message page. Again, thank you and have a good week.